Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking you to you live with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure, the kings, and the quest, Gorgareth. Uh, we've, we've been doing Gorgareth for a long, long time, haven't we? You know? But that in mind, as long our as long journey. What? Not as long as Ascabellum. You'd think, but we still have a lot to go. And with that in mind, our party on their strange flying balloon ship journey uh, have seen a lot of things in the past couple episodes where we have noticed that Sundering Spire, the Herald of Steel's strange calcified corpse calamity. I I can't think of an alliterative term to signify a tower, but the giant tower is glowing and strange. And Anton remembers from long ago in his teachings of the uh, the plane of the immortals there, the realm of twilight, a strange crystal tower that kind of looks like the one we're looking at here. And theory, if correct, reminds Anton that that's sort of the connecting tower that holds together these two planes. So seeing these, this plane uh, connecting tower being reconstructed here and known about weird reflections, it looks like we're looking at a potential doomsday device. And as we fly by comfortably thinking about the calamity and end of all times on this plane of existence, Two giant eagles from a Judas Priest music video show up to fuck our shit up. The party seemed to do pretty well with it. Jarzak slept through half of it. I can't really remember what else that happened. Oh, and then the uh, giant eagle ripped a hole in the giant space hot dog balloon thing that we've got flying this jet here. Clico with monkey feet is standing on top. And it looks like uh, our giant flying ship is about to start tail spinning down towards the earth uh, where everybody will crash and die. So... Uh, we start in media res here where uh, Klika is monkey footing on top as it begins to shake the entire boat and everybody starts shifting around on here as the boat begins to start tilting. So I'm going to just start right off here. We're about 300 feet above the ground and you guys, uh, I'm going to need everybody to make me uh, either a dexterity saving throw or a strength saving throw in order to stay, I don't know, on your feet, except for Klika, who has her monkey feet and is able to just hold on to the ropes because, you know, I will say, um, I don't know. I do think that Klika at some point is going to have to roll a strength saving throw to hold on with her monkey feet. So why don't you go ahead and give me the, the strength check? You can add athletics if you got it. Nope. All right. Is it a strength saving throw or... 
a strength check. You know, I don't think either one's going to be good for you. Right? No. no. It's going to be the exact same number either way, right? No. Which Actually, do you feel more comfortable doing? Well, uh, my better option is a strength save, and I got a four. I did get a 13 on my deck save when I thought that's what I was rolling, but... Were you going to what on your deck save? 13. Okay, so we'll say you fell off and grabbed on with your with your actual hands, not your monkey hands on your feet, and you're holding on as the thing's whipping back and forth. So what did everybody else get for saves? Anton uh, fumbled. He got a three. Oh, which strength. one? Garza got a seven. <laughs> <laughs> strength throw. He saw on his ass. Is it just saving throws that I used to kill the party? What did Norhill get? Norhill got a 13 strength saving throw. Okay. I was going to actually give Norhill advantage because he's a dwarf and the whole getting pushed around and dwarves don't do that. But I'll just say it's a success either way. And I'm sorry, we got a fumble for Anton and a Jarzak got a seven. Oh, was it supposed to be strength? Or dexterity. A... Oh, okay. Okay. Dex, yeah. I got a seven. So with a seven, you're able to hold on well enough to the, uh, to the rails and onto a rope. Uh, as you guys are still in the main deck, as the ship kind of like teeters to the left and to the right in a pendulous way, as it's sort of recoiling from this loss of air. Uh, Anton, however, just falls to his butt and slides over to the side, sort of grasping onto the rail as he can with his feet. Um, and yeah, I guess we're going to kind of do this in a bit of turn taking. Norhill, however, manages like as the boat shifts, we find that he's got like this nice gyroscopic balance to him. Like his whole torso stays perfectly level as his legs and hips just kind of shift with the ship. He's not even holding on to anything. He just has really good hula action. So with that, um, I guess in the next round of turns, I'm sort of looking at it like Anton, Jarzak and Norhill. And Klika's up top as a separate entity. So I guess my question is, what's Klika going to do now that she's holding on with her hands? Get back up there and try casting bending again. Okay. So um, again, because your feet are capable of climbing as well, I'll give you advantage on either athletics or acrobatics to start climbing up there. 24 acrobatics. Jesus. Well, I guess I see why you don't like strength-based things. Mm-hmm. But with that, with that in mind, yeah, you scurry up top like the monkey you are now. And uh, as you make it up to the top, um, would you like to start casting your spell? Yes. What's the casting time on it? It takes a minute. Oh, boy. Mm. Very well. Okay. Uh, so we got 10 rounds to survive this. So I guess my question now is for you guys as Klika starts casting it. Oh, wait. Does this require, oh, you're going to have to hold on with just your feet. So this is another reason why these monkey things have really come in handy. Because you're holding on with your feet and casting with your hands. Yeah. That's kind of remarkable how much these stupid monkey shoes have come in handy. (laughs) I didn't even create these with the idea of this coming up. This has just worked out so perfectly for you in this situation. But all right. So again, the image I have here is that the wave wraith is dangling on its side. And the side that has sunk lower as it's kind of like shifted to like a 60 degree angle here, Anton's feet are on the railing and he's sort of standing with his back at an angle, looking down 300 or so feet to the ground below. 
and he sees all the barrels and all the ropes and all the crates behind him have already shifted and started smacking into the wooden railing. And you can feel the wooden railing under your feet now begin to like shift and crunch as if the weight of these boxes and barrels <laughs> is breaking the only ledge you're standing on. You look up behind you and you can see Jarzak and Norhill both holding on for dear life and having a much better grip than you. And you can tell that about 10 feet or so away is the entrance to the bottom deck where you can hear tons of people screaming and panic down below, but that might be the one safe space you guys have. So my question is, what would you three like to do now? I mean, I think Anton's going to want to cast... I just lost my spell list. Anton's going to want to cast resistance on himself. He has to like make another strength save to try to get over to the... Uh, over to the lower deck. Okay. Give himself that's, a little bit of a probably, boost. That's probably one of the better moves you could have done. So in that case, okay. So that can go off then. And what would uh, Norhill and Jarzak like to do? Uh, how much space, uh, how far is it between the entrance to the lower deck and where Anton is standing on the railing? I would say he's probably in between you and Jarzak and you guys were all like shoulder to shoulder during that combat. So I'm going to say just for the sake of simplicity, because we don't have that map open, everybody's 10 feet from it. Okay. Uh, so what Oriel's going to do is he's going to go stand like right at the entrance uh, to the lower deck and hold out uh, the hook hammer. Uh, the hammer side down for Nor uh, for uh, Anton to grab onto and help him, you know, get up there that last couple feet. Taser him? <laughs> no, it's that only happens when he gets hit, not just when you grab on. Like, don't touch it very hard. Uh, uh, Twenty-two gets, for what? Uh, for a strength save. To I didn't ask his... for one. Oh, what the hell? Gonna be an athletics check. It was an athletics. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you're climbing, man. What do you think this is, Arcana? I thought it was just strength. I'll tell you what. If you start to fall, well, I got twenty-three. Well, got twenty-three then. Okay. Holy shit! Did it did it improve when you did this? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So apparently, like, so wait, how? So when Norhill, did you did you roll to climb to get up into there? Because the angle of the ship at this point is going to require the athletics check. I know you said you're going to reach the hammer down to give Anton the advantage to climbing in. But uh, did so, you yourself uh, already climb in? You I, might be I, offering this hammer to Jarzak. Yeah, uh, you, you, did, you did not call for the check yet, so I will roll it now. Um, do I have advantage or anything or just straight roll? Give you just a straight roll. <laughs> Uh, Norhill critted for a total of 27. Oh, using your weird, strange gyroscopic balance that you apparently have as a dwarf, you just kind of like rotate torso and climb in there and then reach the hammer down. And you see Anton from the cracking board under his feet just leverage himself properly, get a walking start on two of the rails and just jump up, grab onto the uh, sort of the entrance to the lower deck and pull himself in. Now, the terrifying part is Jarzak. So Jarzak, uh, I'm going to need that athletics check from you as well to climb in, unless you got anything else in mind. He's reaching his weapon down to help me or? Jarzak, grab on, I'll help you. 
Can I cast Lightning Lure to grab onto it? <laughs> it's not going to be great, but... <laughs> only if you want to hit Norhill. I'll let you do it if you damage Norhill. How bloody was Norhill looking? <laughs> not at all. What the hell? Uh, uh. Alright, do I have any advantage or anything for his help? Well, I'm, I'm kind of confused. You're using lightning lure to latch no, 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 onto the weapon. No, if I just go straight athletics, would I have any help? Yes, you'd have advantage. Okay. I guess I'll go for it. Good luck. Holy, I rolled an 18 and a 19. So, uh, 19 minus Apparently, you guys were ready for this. Yeah. <laughs> One time I rolled leap, good athletics. As you leap up to catch on to the uh, to the hook hammer and grab on, and you and Norhill as a team climb and pull yourselves in. Now, with the ship pretty much sideways and climbing in, uh, the wooden railing that you sprung off of has officially broken off. And so if you were to fall back, there's nothing to grab onto except for like the nubby two by four that was once there. So with that, Kalika uh, is still casting the spell up there, but I am going to need you to do a concentration check as this thing is weaving back and forth and bouncing like a bumper car into the side of the deck and into the the um, the masts and everything. The 21. Sweet. All right. I'm going to need you to give me one more as about halfway through this another strong gust of wind comes by and i guess shoves some of the schmutz that was inside of the tube that like aerated it and made it inflate comes shooting out like hot steam directly at your face and as you duck away while casting what did you get uh 24 of course why would i think i could ever catch you on the concentration check but with that in mind, uh, you seal up the giant rubber hot dog that we've got up here as the tube and that hot steam gush that was coming out. You apparently have caught it at the perfect time as it immediately starts inflating again. And as it does, the ship slowly but surely starts to rise itself up again. And as you guys had dipped down a couple hundred feet, it starts to sort of peter out and level. And all of a sudden it starts floating back up just a little bit. And it keeps going up and up until it stabilizes. And good old monkey toe Klika is free to climb back down. Yeah, Klika will climb down and stand at the uh, entrance to the lower deck and be like, okay, Klika fixed it. You just see a jumble of all the crew in the party. You call it an awk, just a bundle of limbs, yeah. and like broken boxes and tables and stuff. Ock just has a fork sticking out of his shoulder. <laughs> God, but, I got pretty beat up. Yeah. I hope he's all right. So do, do any of you guys think that this was a sign maybe we should just turn back now? <laughs> Jarzak, turn back where? Where would we go? Uh, you know, we could always join up with the Herald of Steel. The crew don't take kindly to that comment. Even as a joke, everybody just looks to you with the same disappointed Marge Simpson face. No, I don't think so, Jarzak. Okay. 
looks like our only option is to continue to go forward. So with that in mind, as the uh, crew hopefully don't expect any more in, in, you know, encounters with giant flying metallic birds, um, it's looking like the first mate has said that this is going to be about a week's journey flying at this pace to get there. And along the way, depending on which way you guys are planning on going, um, it's looking like you guys could fly directly over Glory Wake if you'd like to, or you could try to fly more over the uh, the Strait of Ghost Tide, which is the water that exists between Gorgareth and the mainland of Amaroth. So it looks like you guys could choose to either take the more land-based route, fly over Glory Wake, or you could take the more aquatic route and spend half your trip over the ocean. Anton votes Gorley Wake, but understanding the, that there really isn't anything for him there now, right now, if Party chooses not to, he's not going to take offense or anything. But. Is it going to be the same time either way? Yep. Wait a minute. Is there a chance? Because Glory Week's technically occupied by the orcs, right? Could we possibly get attacked there? Hmm. It'd be like getting attacked anywhere else, but you guys are so far up in the air that oh. unless they've got like heavy weaponry to shoot you guys down, doesn't mm. seem likely that they're going to be doing anything other than like shoot the occasional arrow up at you guys. But you can also fly at a distance. I mean, a hundred arrows come at us at disadvantage. It's still pretty good odds for them. <laughs> Yep, that's the way we should look at this. <laughs> well, if there's at least 20 troops, we're guaranteed at least one crit in that batch. Uh, Norhill is going to ask uh, the gnomes if, in case we needed to make an emergency landing, could the wave rate still work as a normal boat? Yeah, from what they know, it will. It's just they... I don't know what kind of way of putting this, but the air elementals that have been conjured down below the ship that give it like the initial oomph, uh, they will be held underwater for an elongated period of time. Do with that information what you will. The boat was built with two sets of the elemental gems required to give this thing that initial oomph. They used two of them to get you guys out of the water the first time, and it's going to require two to get you guys out of the water the second time. If you land a second time, you will only be able to allow it to land that second time. And if this crashes, there will be no lift to this thing at all. Sure, the big tubes can keep it in the air, but that initial push off, that momentum needed to get it off the ground, that can all be done from the air mentals. So, yeah, which is, yeah, which is, you know, like, oh man, if we get attacked again and we simply can't stay in the air, can we land and still be a boat? and then be able to repair and take off again at a later date. Once. Norhill's going to leave the decision up to Anton uh, with that information. Anton would rather... He'd rather see Glory Wake. Just a good idea of what condition it's really in. So when well, you he remember Starbreeze's song. He, he doesn't... He, he wants to see for himself. <laughs> I, do, I do think the safer route really would... Trust I think the safer route would be to go over the water. As Norhill was saying, just in case something happens again. 
you guys could fly at enough of a distance that like, you know, you could see the outline of the city. You could see like if there's people moving around in there, you could go far enough away and still see it. The only problem is that it's going to be a lot easier to see you guys flying in the air with your big giant space jalopy than it is for them to be seen by you. So it's like, no matter what, if you're flying close enough that you can see them, they definitely see you. The question is if they can do anything with that information. Doesn't seem likely that they could just like send home messages or anything like that, just because it's the orcs of Gorgareth. But I don't know. Hard to tell. So what's the decision? The water or Glory Wake? Click is going to leave it up to Anton as well. He kind of just paces back and forth a little bit. He really tries to weigh the two when he says, he kind of shakes his head and looks a little disappointed. He says, let's just, let's just do the water. I'm only delaying the inevitable. I think by looking for something that isn't there. Damn. So with that, the party decide they're going to go farther south and... Uh, as they do so, they're going to be going over sort of that initial stretch of the uh, forest of Thalvir, the elven wood there, before heading off into the bay and heading off to the Strait of Ghost Hide. Now, my question is, because you guys wanted to go to Blood Throne first, what's the plan with getting off this thing? Are we going to have you guys shimmy off on like just ropes, be dropped down, and then like walk the rest of the way are you planning on crash landing within the city did you want to try to land like in a river did you want to try to land on the bay because if you land like in the ocean it's going to be like a day's journey out possibly like two are there any large bodies of water uh very near to blood throne jarzak there's occasional ponds and stuff like that but finding something of like great size to land in. I mean, there's probably a lake or two out there you could, but again, the same issue arises where it's a matter of once it lands once, it can't land twice. So once we have to make our trip to the dragon, question is, are you guys going to do that on foot? Or are you planning on like circling the volcano and jumping out and then hopping back in once you're done? Because that getaway might be pretty fucking intense. I think we should keep it up in the air. Not even bother landing it, shimmy down and just figure out some way onto like like shimmy down somewhere close on land. I don't think we have any hope dropping in on top of the city. <laughs> you know, that's a good question. How long is this thing's operational period? Theoretically, how long would it stay in the air? In the current state of things? Yeah. Pretty much indefinitely. The things that they've used are kind of like, like, again, as funny as this sounds, Clico being up there and having that huge gust of like the boiling chemical inside, it smelled like some sort of hyper yeast, like as if they have some sort of like ravenous, expanding, foaming, like, I don't want to say like fermentation thing going on, but those giant rubber hot dogs might be a weird chemical beer being fermented and cooked inside of there. And thus it's kind of like a fizzy lifting boat. So it's like, how long could this thing just fly around? For a couple months, to be honest. 
So it's yeah. So I guess Kleeka got like a, a a face full of like hot beer foam and the thing ripped open. But you know. Okay, then yes, we'll uh, uh we'll drop down without landing. Okay. Where? I mean within like a I want to say a safe distance, but I doubt such a thing exists. Yeah, yeah that's a... Uh, wait, from the, a dragon or all the orcs? Because there might be a safe distance from the dragon, but <laughs> not so much the orcs. Like parallel parking this boat. <laughs> Maybe an hour, maybe gotta... an hour or two's march outside of Blood Throne, and then then the ship can simply retreat to a safe distance, an actually safe distance. Are you guys going to have some sort of a sign to rein the ship back in? Smoke signals. It was a very quick decision there, and I don't know if you have the. Uh the skill and the, the technology to just quickly generate smoke signals. What if you have to do it quickly? Well, like just, we yeah, we, we'd almost always have the materials to make a smoke signal. And it'll be able to be super mild. But Anton also regularly prepares sending. So we have a magical option as well. That's an assumption. <laughs> I don't know if I really prepare it. I gotta take a look. Actually... Well, we have a week before we actually have to land. So prepare sending, perhaps. Okay. So as a very tense week goes by, um, yeah, I, I guess what does everybody do to buy to kill the time on this trip? Ooh, I gotta rest. Uh, Norhill is going to help, like, repair the railing. And like catalog uh, what stuff we lost over the side uh, when the birds attacked, and yeah, help okay. uh, make adjustments if we've lost any rations or anything important uh, for the journey to you know make sure that everybody's going to still be able to eat if we've lost any food or something that sort of thing. You know, sad as it is, the one thing that fell off the most. Uh, was like spare ropes for the mass and everything, as well as a few spare like sheets for the mass, uh, and just pretty much all of the the uh, the ammo for the ballistas. So it looks like these are pretty much just here as a threat now. There's like probably like six bolts left. Yeah. But, uh, well, that's not as. Big of a disaster as it could have been. Fair enough. So I guess my question now is, how is Jarzak handling this amount of stress, knowing that he's looking towards Gorgareth and looking towards Blood Throne and could potentially be looking like in the same direction as his brother, who's also actively waiting for his arrival? How's Jarzak swallowing this pill? Uh, I would think Jarzak's probably in like a full-on panic mode right now. Uh, probably a lot of him isolating himself 
and having out the axe and the sword and just overlooking both and contemplating what he's going to do. <laughs> well, I will say that the sword um, does is willing to communicate with you on, on one such occasion where you're looking at the two of them. And the sword speaks to you not through the swordsman, but almost as a collective voice within the blade, as if the the blade itself has kind of shifted from being like one single character shooting out of it. And now it seems like the blade's almost accepting you and you hear instead the collective voice of all of the swordsmen that are within it. And as it kind of speaks to you, it chimes in and says that there's very little for you to actually fear in this endeavor. And that instead this is an opportunity for growth and that the true way for you to test yourself and to prove that your greatest desire of being powerful, as you once put it, and being sort of independent and all that stuff. I mean, this is the one biggest way to do it. And the swordsman speaks up amongst the rest of the voices and says, if you wish to break the chains that the deceiver has over you, you must sunder the most prominent chain that he has over you. If you can get rid of the one most binding chain you will be that much closer to freedom. And then the swordsman sort of again pulls you aside in a very understanding and yet very like painfully blunt tone and says, even if you die and you become one with this blade, you will become one with this blade if you die doing what you have fought the hardest for. Being brave, being heroic, and demonstrating your power in any way you can does not necessarily mean defeating your opponent. The greatness of your character has enhanced simply because you've accepted your responsibilities and grown to be the most authentic version of yourself that you could possibly be. That is not only the mark of a ruler, but also the mark of a master of oneself. And I think the act says something like, you should kill your brother. <laughs> All right, maybe it doesn't. So I don't know if, if you have anything to say about that, Mr. Jarzak. Yeah, I just... He'll look to the sword and just... I don't know. I don't know how you could forgive someone for betraying you the way I did my brother. And I don't and the sword kind of replies. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, the sword just kind of replies and says, even if you look against all odds, the best you can do is what is most honorable. Again, even if you do not survive, you will be welcomed with open arms to the other swordsmen who have honored this blade with their performance and ability. So I'll be immortal. Something like that. 
It would also be kind of funny if somebody picked up the blade and Jarzak shoots out. And it's just Jarzak trying to be prophetic and like have like honorable <laughs> discussions. Be like, just you should do it. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Very well. But yeah. And as Jarzak sleeps on this trip, you have many nightmarish visions of what you saw within that volcanic layer. You remember seeing strange azers the uh, the flaming little people there from the plane of fire you remember seeing the salamanders the, you remember seeing a fire giant or two amongst the ranks and you remember most painfully of all the red dragon itself and seeing its blazing eyes and you remember seeing your brother left behind and as you see your brother left behind in this nightmare of yours you see black chains wrap around both of your ankles as you try to run away and as you turn back to see who holds the chains, you see your brother holding on to both of them with both chains reaching from his open palms and standing behind him in an enhanced shadow floating, looming above him is Valaketh. And as in one voice, they both beckon to you to continue to blood throne to settle what you started. And as you wake up in a cold sweat, you see Ah oh, busy folding his socks. And that's all you see. He's standing right in front of your fucking bunk. Oh, do you have to do that so close to me? Scared the shit says, out of me when I woke up. He says, well, I saw you were crying in your sleep. So I uh, didn't want the I rest of us to see I wasn't crying. It was, a, it was a dream about me being a master chef and I was cutting onions. <laughs> they weren't real tears. Oh. So he keeps nodding. He says, is that what you want me to tell them? And he points and you see a bunch of gnomes staring at you, kind of giggling to themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to use the onions in a lasagna. Why is a lasagna such a strange thing? Like, why is that what you were making in your masterful chef dream? Like, just, ah, yes, the pinnacle of chefly cooking. Jarzak doesn't know much else. <laughs> he couldn't dream bigger. Jarzak just imagines lasagna to be, like, the pinnacle of cooking in all culinary desires. But cursed by the gauntlet, it's like a rotten, disgusting lasagna. And he's just like, yeah, that's the stuff. Garbage lasagna. So with that, Garfield to the Jarzak, I guess, goes back to sleep. Um, I don't know. Did Kalika have anything awesome she wanted to do on this trip? Uh, yeah, Kalika was going to go around and get to know like all the names of the Gnomish crew members, sort of like if they had family back in Enton, like that sort of stuff. If like there's like I, she understands that this is probably going to be a pretty dangerous trip and everything else. So she just sort of wants them to know how much she appreciates them doing this and putting everything together for us. So, well, the majority of them are engineers from Glint, So none of them are actually natives to Enton, but yeah, the majority of them have families and stuff that they had to leave behind on this. But the majority of them are the most specialized individuals 
who could somehow on a resume chalk up enough things that sounded like they could be engineers on a flying boat fueled by beer hot dogs that fly. It just, you know, so none of them seem very happy to be here or confident about it, but some of them have the, the attitude that this is their opportunity to make a difference and help push themselves forward. Some of them acting a bit more heroic than one would expect of gnomes. But yeah. Um, did Anton have anything he wanted to do on this trip? I think Anton's trying to think of a way to send messages to the priest. He's weary of like being like, we're coming because he doesn't know if anyone, he doesn't know if this kind of like magic can be heard by others as it's being in use and like he could be putting his people at risk that they know they're coming and putting their group at risk but I think he's just asking for like very basic status updates of like how's everything going giving a as optimistic as he can um status of what's going on back on the mainland but I I think he's trying to keep I'm sorry, what were you going to say about trying no, to keep what? No, I think just long story short, he's trying to keep it under wraps that they're actually coming to rescue them because he really wants to say something, but he doesn't want to put the mission at risk. It would be pretty mean of me as a DM to have somebody listening into his thoughts. No, someone could. Someone totally could be doing that. So. Just a mind flare actively detecting surface thoughts and hearing every bit of it like a wiretap. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just gotta pass him a message that you're willing to trade Jarzak for him. <laughs> but um, the high priest Thrail, he responds in a way that his thoughts seem very scattered and seem like he's losing his grip. But the summary of what you gather from him is that the the members of Glory Wake that have survived have been put into a sort of crevice in the ground, this massive stone like tunnel underneath the city, and they've blocked off the one end to getting into this thing with a massive stone. And there's one single hole in the place where they seem to every day lower enough supplies to keep them alive. But it's like it, they're barely managing, you know what I mean? Like licking the bottom of the bucket of what's left for water and eating the crumbs and the bugs that they can find in the walls of this underground cavern. But he basically says, if you do not hurry and find a way to get here, the days are limited for what's going to happen here. And eventually they're going to be traded off to whomever might take them, or they might just be killed off for costing too many resources. But Thrail sort of sounds like he hasn't had any contact with anybody of power in a long time as he Sounds very much so like he's lost hope and he's been at the bottom of this giant cave hole for a long time. It's, it's very angry. But he tries to keep positive about it. In the meantime, to himself, he tries to think of what, how can he, how can he realistically take this guy down and like come up with a plan. Sad. And so, with that, uh, our ship. I do want to say oh, that Klika, at some point, even though she noticed that Jarzek was trying to stay sequestered for most of the trip, is going to approach him at some point as well. Like okay. while he's alone somewhere doing sword and axe stuff. 
just right. pictured Cleeka walking in immediately as the gnomes are giggling. Just, I'm not crying. <laughs> and then Cleeka's just like, is he crying again? Isn't that lasagna dream? <laughs> did, you, did you make the lasagna this time at least? No, it burned. <laughs> Can't cook it on an open fire. So with that, the um, the gnomes all scatter after Auk kind of gets the memo and tells them all to kick sand and they all leave to go play some cards or something like that elsewhere, leaving <laughs> Klika and Jarzak alone. Um, Jarzak, I know that I said it before, but I, I do want to tell you again that um, I won't let them sacrifice you to save the people of Glory Wake. And I know that's selfish of Klika, but if anything happens, I'll be in your corner. Uh, thanks, Klika. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, with with how much my brother probably hates me, I don't I don't think any of us will get out of there alive if I don't stop him. Mm. But I mean maybe you can if you go with, you know the fox jackal to another dimension or whatever you do on your time off. Yeah, sometimes. But, well, Klika will do everything she can for you, Jarzak. I just, Klika just wants you to know that. Uh, thanks, Klika. Jarzak starts getting all choked up. No, these are still from the dream. These. Oh, oh it's... Did... Did the dream onions get stuck? Yep. <clears throat> should I should Klika do something? Nope. Klika, I just need a minute. Jarzak turns away. <laughs> oh, Jarzak. I don't even know what Lasagna is. Jarzak doesn't either. <laughs> <laughs> Why does it haunt him so? I heard, I heard about it <laughs> We get flashbacks to, to Klika and Jarzak in that first quest going to the warehouse in Cooperford and sneaking around and drawing pictures of Klika way bigger than Jarzak and Jarzak making a big mess of himself and Klika cleaning it all to the soundtrack of the Dawson's Creek thing. We're just... <laughs> it's so very sad. But... You guys drinking rabbit blood together with him <laughs> pale scarred with a metallic uh, arm. We've evolved. <laughs> All right. Just slowly Jarzak has become even more disgustingly ugly and like, broken as a human. Or, or I guess an orc. Just broken down. And then now he's just crying in bed about Lasagna. But with that, um, yeah. So I guess the uh, week's trip is just about over. And you guys have made it to the mainland of Gorgareth and 
Jarzak has some hauntingly vivid memories come in as he sees all the plant life and everything of the island. Um, and as the boat gets closer to what would be close enough to Blood Throne, uh, reaching sort of the rocky crags and finding some space behind some cliffs to jump off, where there's very little plant life, many shrubs, and it's kind of hot under the beating sun out here. Uh, the party are given the opportunity to leap off. Uh, were there any last requests or anything from the party for what they oh. would do after getting off the boat? Okay, real quick, guys, before we go down there, I will let you know everything here wants to kill you. You're like, oh, this guy looks pretty cute and fluffy. It, no, it's going to try and eat your face off. You, you, you don't think twice about taking them out before they take you out. All right, so we should all act like we're you know, deep behind enemy lines. We are. That's what we're doing. All right. Let us be very, off. Very stupid idea. All right. Well, I guess if nobody had anything they wanted to grab, the first mate grabs Darzak almost by his bad hand and then grabs onto his good one, shakes his hand quite tightly, and he says, I know you haven't been captain of the ship for a long time, but if anything happens, I guess yes, it I goes owe it to, to you. you and everybody else to serve the cause with this vessel. And he kind of looks around at the gnomes and everything, and he says, whatever that might be. And he says, but it's been an honor knowing you if I don't get to see you again. But what am I talking about? I'll see you in a couple of days. And he gives you sort of a, a knowing look, a nod and a smile, which immediately fades away with a look of like pain of like, oh shit, he's an idiot. And with that, Yig Kalith approaches as well, giving everybody sort of a, a little nod as she's letting off and gives Jarzak a hug, which is the first time anybody's seen her embrace anybody. And Jarzak's she whispers, hands up. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> what is this? And Jarzak, as she holds onto your hands as you try to block her, she goes to move in and as you block her, she says, it is customary of my people to give a hug if it is the last time I am to see you. I'm not yep, saying you that this is the last time. Don't need to do time. that now. She says, I know of your brother, and I've heard the stories of your people. Charizak I just think I'd rather give you... gives her a hug. He says, she says, as you squeeze her tighter than she was anticipating, she says, I'd like to hug you when I have the chance. I'd rather be wrong about you being gone, you know. And with that, Ock jumps in to be the third on this hug. I was going to say, you guys just look down and Klika's hugging both your legs. Like, without a <laughs> doubt. <laughs> Where's Kick during okay. this? Kick? I mean, Kick is just standing there not understanding okay. what a hug is. Yeah. You guys are just having intense communication, all four of you touching each other. Just, just telling sure he doesn't argument. think we're trying to fight each other, and now he has to pick sides. <laughs> yeah, Kick just starts slashing at people. <laughs> But, yeah, Kick seems to be preparing his things to jump over a deck as well. Is anybody going to stop him? Is Kick coming along for this adventure? Uh, I'll, I'll activate my ability to talk to insects. Uh, is are, The other two are staying on the boat, right? Everyone else is staying. It's just us four. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's kind of known to everybody that this is a very bad idea no matter how you slice it. 
and yep. they just recognize that they may be some of the last talented mercenary heroes available, and this ship might be like the difference between the death of the entire nation and not. I activate my ability to talk to insects, and I tell kick the click. Uh, you you need to stay here and protect my ship. You're the only one strong enough. With that kick just kind of like twitches a couple times and says, I am coming with you. He says, I don't need this strange flying ship. He says, I am one with my clan, wherever we may go. Yes, and two, two members of the clan are staying here. And who's going to protect them if you're gone? That he twitches and looks back at the two of them and turns back to you mechanically and he says, I suppose the gnomes, though they do look what? delicious. Jarzak <laughs> just like laughs and is, you, have you, you think they can protect him? They can protect them? So that kick just sort of obediently steps back, not knowing much of anything to say about it and steps forward once more puts the buggy hand on you to speak back in his clicky tongue there and he says the heralds of hope yeah and if we fail it's up to you three next and he says the heralds of hope the heralds of hope that's us and with that, Kick says, when the painting was being done and we had no name, says, some called you Heralds of Hope. So, some, some called us Heralds of Hope. Indeed. That sounds pretty good. That'll do. <laughs> Kind of, you know, a little uh, borrowed, but with that, Kick just kind of steps back. And I guess really all that's left is the rest of the gnomes in the deck, and the majority of them just kind of get the ropes ready and start hauling them over the side. And as um... you guys do, and look over at the rocky ridge where you guys are out, like posted here, you guys see. Dozens of orcs already lining the rocky ledges and the cliffs as the ship has kind of stabilized where it is. And they look armed to the teeth with javelins and longbows. And they just sort of look back up at the ship, which is now only about 30 feet or so above the ground, stable and well within range attack reach. And the orcs just kind of stand there looking back at the ship as you guys are getting ready to haul over the side. And with that, one of the orcs belches out in the orcish tongue, which I'm sure Jarzak's the only one who speaks orc. Klika says that. It. Who does? Klika. Oh, yeah, okay. Does Anton speak orc? Oh, Jarzak will check. Sorry, I just saw your little thingy light up when I mentioned that, and I thought for a second you said you also did. I know you speak giant, right? Isn't that the thing? Yeah, Is that I the weirdness? It, I think it's I'm just trying to find out this. I mean, they might be big orcs. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> it is what? just giant. Yeah, it's just giant. Okay. Fair enough. 
So with that, Jarzak and Kliga both understand as they shout up one of the loud ones and says, By decree of Lord Jakot, surrender yourselves now. I'll shout back. I request the battle with Jakkad to take over the clans. And with that, the same one that shouted before yells back and says, By what right do you challenge the king? I am Jarzak, his brother. And with that, they all seem aghast in a way that's not like they're shocked, but in a way that like, they just got handed a $30 million lottery ticket and they're just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, we get to deliver him to the boss? <laughs> oh, shit. We're getting that double pay. found him. <laughs> Did it. And with that, they say, if you are bringing those with you, they must stay in the pit. No, they're witnesses. They will not interfere with the fight. And with that, they all just kind of shift and look back at one another and just demand that you guys hand over all your weapons to them. Uh, before we get off the ship, Klika just wants to make sure that she gives uh, the potion and the piece of the portal to <laughs> um, I guess you Yigalith. I kind of want to give it to Auk, but <laughs> Or Kick. Yeah. Uh, just hand that and be like, um... Yeah, just, it in. just just in case, and then she's gonna try and hide flicker somewhere on her body and head down. Uh, okay, well, you... while, while, while Jarzak is announcing his names and titles to the orcs, uh, Norhill is going to go over to yeah, Yigkala and Auk at around the same time they're getting the potion of the piece of the portal and say. If we're not, if there's no word from us within a few days, uh, assume that we failed and the mission lies with you. You may still be able to make it to the dragon's lair and repair the portal to the land of mortals. And so Yigalith just sort of takes this and looks at you as if you just handed her the world's you know, amount of burden here. And she just kind of looks back at you, puzzled and resigned, and then just sort of accepts it with a solemn nod. Okay. So does that mean everybody's going to hand over all their weapons and everything? Do they recognize the lantern? No. Can he get away with like having the lantern and they just don't think twice? You might be able to hide it away in your stuff. It's when the we, When we get down there, can Jarzak say something about the handing over the weapons? Sure. Uh, so we'll say you guys climb down the ropes and begin to hand them over, unless anybody was going to hand over other stuff. Uh, I'm just so going like to give him my mace and crossbow. Norhill is going to hold back and give Jarzak a chance to say something. I, okay. What did Kleeka get on the slide of hand check? 15. Okay. I don't okay. see what threat these three will cause with holding their weapons. And you can hold on to this just in case and Jarzak will hand him the axe. <laughs> hey, it, it's the axe that has his brother's name. 
And with that, um, the orc that looks it over is actually kind of a smart orc. Maybe that's why he's the one who's yelling at people. But he's the one in charge here, and he looks over the names on this, and he recognizes what this is as a family heirloom. And he says, on your good word and on your honor, I accept this as a token of peace until we meet with your brother, the king, Jakad, the Revenant. Of course. Take us so as he him. looks back and as he looks back and forth to the rest of them, uh, he kind of snaps to one of the other orcs, and the orc pulls out this giant horn and starts blowing it over the rocky ridge. And as you guys stand here and look down into the gulch sort of down below, you guys can see that the city of Blood Throne is down there. And it is sort of, I don't want to say it, it's like a giant stoneworked city built into the side of a mountain where there's a nice gulch and there's some water that's kind of flowing down from a mountaintop. So it's a pretty well secluded little spot, but there is one raised giant dais and upon it is a blood red throne. And yeah, sort of just stands out in the distance. But as the horn goes off, you can hear horns from all different reaches around the city begin to go off in chorus. And with that, the orc says, just in case you forgot in your honor, many more will be in attendance to bring you to the city and greet your brother. Many many will be in attendance. And as you hear all the horns continue in the distance, it kind of sounds like they may have been anticipating you guys stopping by at some point. So, yeah. And as you guys, unless you had anything else you wanted to do or say. Nope, just want to make sure we could keep our weapons. So with that, as you guys meander through the uh, dense forest on your way into the uh, gold chair, um, you guys encounter further groups continuing to join onto this one until the orcs outnumber you guys about 10, 15 to one. So it is like a giant mob of orcs that have surrounded you guys and are marching you into the city. And as you guys make your way to the city, Jacquard the Revenant seems to be waiting right at the portcullis gates leading into Blood Throne. And he stands there, a whopping near seven feet tall, fully Jarzak's opposite, standing also <laughs> scarred, but wearing very little armor, if any at all, a giant belt, almost looks like one of those like World Wrestling Championship belts. And he just looks like he's, I don't know, thick as a tree. Like he is just a, a very, very dense and built man. And he stands there towering over most of everybody. And his eyes never, ever leave Jarzak's the entire time he's proceeding forward. And as you guys approach and the orcs lead you up, the one who yelled at you guys in the first place and led you towards this place, um, he begins to announce who it is. And he says, my lord, king. And Jacquard grabs him by his face, <laughs> shoves him aside, steps forward. So he's looking at Jarzak. How tall is Jarzak? Is he is he your superior with height? I, I think Jarzak's also seven foot. Uh, let me double check. Just a skinny rail version of this. <laughs> no, Jarzak's just shy of, of seven feet. So yeah, he's he's got a few inches on Jarzak. So as he steps forward and looks you dead in the eyes, he says, I never thought I'd see the day that I could look you in your eyes. And he spits upon your chest and he says, the eyes of a traitor. Welcome home. I heard 
you have something you wish to tell me? And all the orcs seem to be stepping back, expecting some sort of violent outburst at any point. And only at this point that he shifts his arms to his sides, do you hear the jingle of chains? And everybody looks quickly to his wrists, and you can see that his wrists are bound in black iron chains that wreathe all the way up to his elbows. And each of them seems to be ended with vicious spikes and spines. And it seems like none of them seem to be cutting his skin, but they are wrapped around his arms tight and far up. And as he shifts his weight and asks this question, what does Jarzak say? Brother. Is there something you'd like to tell me? I've come to return this to you. And with that, he'll recall the axe to his hands. And, and hold it out. In a boo-boo. Stick your head in doo-doo. <laughs> And so with that, he says, you come with me, you come to me with this, this trinket of a lost time. He says, brother, we have much to discuss. Did you come here? Did you come here to speak? Or did you come here to do something? Continually goading you into. As all orcs do, I came here to fight. And he says, fight who? Surely you did not travel all this way to fight amongst the rabble that I call my men, my women, my warriors. Surely you came here for some big ticket prize. Tell me, Jarzak. You know who I'm looking to fight. I'm going to fight you. Perhaps it is your little brother. Yeah. Yeah, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) And so with that, he turns to the guards and he says... Send them into the hole. And as he looks to the rest of the group and he says, I wish to speak with my brother alone. And with that, the orcs just start grabbing at the rest of the party and start getting ready to shove you guys down into the hole. And they start pushing you guys away. Does Does Noel know Sorry. Noting Anton's not going to resist. He knows he has to go to the hole. <laughs> He's like, oh no, not the hole. Yeah. It's the wrong hole. It's going to be the worst part. <laughs> yeah, right. You're, you're just in an adjacent hole. Uh, does Norhill know anything about like the Orcish military that would convince them to let us stay with Jarzak? I mean, Jarzak's the only one who made claim and said he wanted you to bear witness, which seemed a fair enough thing to ask, but the king himself basically just said, Send him to the hole. So, I mean, if somebody wants to speak up, they have full right to. Okay. Uh, uh, Norhill, like, you know, shakes off any grasping hands and steps forward. We are Jarzak's company. We came to bear witness and we will do exactly that. You can speak in our presence or not at all. I'm going to let you either roll an intimidate check or a persuasion check on that one. Uh, Norhill crit uh, for a 24 total intimidation. And with that, the orcish king, Jacquard the Revenant, looks down upon Norhill. All three feet is superior, looks down at him and says... Oh, seven. Yeah, no, that's not enough. So with that, he looks down upon you and he says, I wouldn't dare anger such an angry little wombat. 
I'm just kidding. But with that, he says, surely you will enjoy what I have in store for your friend. They may come with him. They will be witnesses. Bring them to the field of glory. They may watch there, but they are not to join in my conversation with my brother. We have much to talk about. So with that, the party instead are led away to the fields. And as you guys can tell from looking at the fields after traveling through the city here, recognizing the orcs aren't really having a bad time. Seems like they're kind of unscathed by all of the war that's happening across the ocean. And it seems instead that these guys are living, I don't know, pretty stable existence here. The markets seem to be flooded with people selling their wares. Children run around in the street. It definitely seems like a militaristic city as tons of armed people are just everywhere and everybody gives you guys dirty looks. Some people spit before where you're stepping. But for the most part, I mean, it's not like it's wartime here. Like this is just blood thrown being blood thrown. And as you guys walk past that raised dais, you can see that the stone marble throne there that is the blood throne seems to have this strange bloody red tint to it. Then every once in a while, it almost looks like blood seems to like spill over it and come over in drifts, but it never looks like it's actually wet, as if the stone itself is perpetually bleeding in some way, and blood seems to rise down each step of the dais, sort of trickling down as it does. Again, never wet, but always bleeding. And as you guys continue on your little march there and stop over at the fields, you can see there's almost like a rudimentary stone sort of coliseum set of stairs that you guys can sit upon. There's a coliseum here. There's like a whole arena set up, but this is not the arena. This is like the reserved historic arena. And it's only like a 60 foot circle and it's just sand. And there's tons of broken weapons, armor, skeletal fragments left behind. And it seems like nobody takes anything from this place once it's left there. You guys can tell that like the sands itself almost seems sacred as if there's some sort of presence keeping the contents within, within it. And as you guys are seated there, orcs seem to stand around you and sort of just guard your every move. Again, 10 orcs to each one of you guys and just sort of sitting beside you guys at the, uh, the little stairs here and multiple orcs continue to move around to sort of get a better view of you guys and also prepare themselves for whatever things may be up your sleeves. So at this point, unless you guys had anything you wanted to do. Can I do a religion check on the chair? Um, or any more of an arcane? It'd probably be arcane, but you could do a history check or you could do a, yeah, I guess you could do a religion check. Um, I'll do history. Oh, shit. A history check. Well, I got a six, so I don't know. If it looks it just looks really weird. <laughs> Very dirty chair. Uh, Norhill got a ten on a history check. Will that tell him anything? You just know that this is the symbolic, like symbol of all the orcs of Gorgareth. Hmm. No, you you think that he'd have a, a strong cultural reaction to a bleeding stone there. Don't worry about it. No connection. Uh, Norhill's worried. Norhill's freaking out. Because has her eyes trained on Jarzak. Ready. Oh, yeah. Jarzak's not even walking in this direction. No, they went a completely different way. 
My question was if you rolled for anything for the blood throne. Oh, no. Okay. So with that, uh, Jarzak and his brother, however, are led away and there are no orcs following you two. And Jakkad just sort of silently walks with you down the street and looks at all the buildings around him and sort of takes in a deep breath. And as he's walking with you down the road silently, he breaks the silence and he says, it has been a long time. Yeah. It's been too long. He says, do you miss it? Do you miss the land of your people? Of course I miss it. We grew up here dreaming of glory. And with that, and he I sort of stops. In the back. And he stops and looks to you with a pained expression and he says, you might consider it stabbing me in the back, but that would imply that I have been done wrong. I have grown stronger by the challenges you have given me. It is as almost you have provided me the substrate with which to grow. And I have grown much as he looks down upon you, even if it is only a couple inches of height with just his rippling corded arms and muscles. He just like, just again, takes that pensive pose with his hands on his hips. And he says, I have grown both as a leader and as a warrior. And if you wish to challenge me for the throne, so be it. I accept your challenge. I think we both knew this day would eventually come. Not even just in the past year, not even since I returned, but since we were children. I saw the ambition in you, and I looked up to you. You were my hero. I learned much from what you had done. And when you said we would go find some thing that could give us an edge, that maybe someday we could challenge the old kings, I believed you. I was a fool for believing you then. But I have learned much as a student. And I hope, perhaps, you have learned much as well. As he looks down at your metallic arm, which in a strange way glints in the same reflective way as the black chains wrapped around the wrists of your brother. And as you look at his and he looks at yours, he looks at you with a look of some sort of like inner intelligence as if something else is looking at you through his eyes. And he says, I think we both know who helped you get to this point. Yeah. We both know who got you to this point too. The salvation comes in many forms. And I've grown stronger by assistance, but I've become perfection through my own will and my own power. Can you say the same, Jarzak? Yeah. I don't even I've need seen, his power anymore. I've seen the weaklings that you bring around with you. A dwarf? A human from Glory Wake? The little one could kill you and me. Very well. If they may, if they might. It just further proves the point. You've been nothing different than what you were here. A sniveling, 
deceptive leech who has done nothing more than follow people who are more stronger than yourself to reap the rewards that were given to you. Yes, you suckled at the teat like any other bastard puppy would. And look how you've grown strong on the sacrifices of others. You were pathetic, Jarzak. You always were. And again, I grew strong the day I realized how pathetic you truly were. And to learn, I need a proper teacher. I've outgrown you, Jarzak. Gorgareth has outgrown you. The world has outgrown your ways. This is an era of the strong. The Herald of Steel will soon set his sights on our land. And I will meet him as an equal. Strong and proud and brave. I will offer him the people of <laughs> Glorywake as a symbol of how much I am willing to work with him. He'll take I your people offer... too. So be it. So be it. This was never about the people. This was about me. This was about the way of the orcs. And given the opportunity, you would sell out your clans and your friends and your family to live one extra breath if you could. And as he shifts his weight, he says, trust me, I know personally the character of your decisions. And I know what you would sacrifice to get a head start on your way out of the door. And as he kind of shifts his weight again, the clinking of the chains reminds you of a very painful memory from long ago. And he says, if you wish to fight, then we might fight. I'm sure we both know who's going to win. But it'll be good. You'll always be my little brother. And I'll start walking ahead of him. And with that, he says, so what is it? Shall we, shall we solve this problem now? Shall we have at it now? Perhaps in the field of glory where all kings were challenged. I think your friends are waiting for you just there now. I, this isn't the orc's way. Why, why don't you want to fight me? I beg your pardon. I've wanted nothing more than to crush your skull beneath my boot. I just want to revel in all that I've grown to be and how little you've done. Look at you. As you disgust me with your appearance. You were sickly, weak. Perhaps your friends have showed you a thing or two and maybe you've learned something. But I don't think that measly sword at your side is going to do much to stop me. I will strangle you to death between my very hands. And I will watch the last of your breaths leave your chest. And as you die in my hands, I hope you find peace. Because I know our ancestors will not welcome you into the afterlife. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think our ancestors are going to welcome either of us, bud. <laughs> and elbow, elbow. Eh? Eh? Yeah. <laughs> That's so fucking stupid. And with that, we, he kind of raises his eyebrows. We both made deals that 
make it so we we won't be welcome there. He says, if what they say of the Herald of Steel is true, I don't think I'm ever going to go there. You are but a stepping stone and my path to immortality and greatness. And so let it be done then to the fields of glory, I suppose, if you are ready. Yeah, I mean, unless you want to free my people now and the people of glory wake and we'll just walk so on out of here. He just starts chuckling to himself aloud and he says, your people, your people. The yeah. people of glory wake do not like you. The people of our wonderful home. No, nope, I separated the, my people and the people of glory wake. My people are my comrades I came here with. So be it. The only people who would ever trust you or get close to you. A ragtag group of weirdos. Fitting. So be it then. And with that, he shouts out above the din of the uh, people around him. Everybody staring as you two get in a little argument here in the street. And he shouts out and he says, To the fields of glory! And with that, he just starts marching in that direction, assuming you're going to follow him. <laughs> Jarzeg just runs for it. <laughs> just run down the street the opposite. I do have fly. I could get out of there pretty quick. Cast fly. Very well. No, no. And so with that, the uh, two of you make it over to the Fields of Glory. And as you guys Did he end walk up over taking to the, the arena, axe? Did he end up taking the axe? No. Okay. And as you guys head over to the arena, he goes to step into it and stands at the edge of it. And you know from custom, you're supposed to enter on the other side. Again, it's a 60-foot circle, and it's sand filled with bones and remains of everybody who's died fighting the current king. And, uh, yeah. So with that, as he stands on the outskirts, an orc steps to the edge of the ring and he shouts out by royal decree, a challenge to the king's throne has been made. Jarzak, the exiled, has laid claim to the throne and wishes to fight his brother, Jakar the Revenant. As far as the rules go, whatever it is you do before you enter the battlefield is fair and fine, but you may not leave the circle by any means. If you leave the circle, your life is forfeit. And the way that he says this almost suggests that the circle itself will kill you if you leave. As if it's not just you. It's not like, oh, your life is forfeit. The rest of the orcs are going to join in. It's as if the orc spirit surrounding this holy relic of a site would not allow somebody to just leave, right? And so as he sort of welcomes you to enter it, and you guys stand over by, uh, and you stand over by Norhill, Anton, and Klika. There's an opportunity for you to prepare yourself for battle. Did anybody want to help you prepare? Uh, I'm gonna cast bless, and I'm gonna cast so you. So now, for up to a minute, uh, and it's not a touch spell, so I can keep it up the entire time. So whenever you make an attack roll or a saving throw before the spell ends, you can add a d4. Uh, 
Wait, you can target one. Uh, and then I think I'm going to give you back the, uh, the parapet of healing, but I have to make sure I have it all. If there's any other items I have. Do you have to attune to that? Parapet of wound control. I give you that. Closure. Yeah. Closure. Jesus can't read. Yeah, you do have to attune to it. I'm pretty sure Jarzak's chock full of attuned items. Oh, shit. Uh, no, I gave the stone away. So I'm one short. Oh, it would take you an hour to attune to it. I imagine Anton probably could have handed it over earlier. Yeah. I'm trying to see if something else. tells me, despite the way this all works, I'm pretty sure this fight's going to end with Jarzak having his head chopped off or something to that effect. So the periop's not going to help very much, though. You know what I mean? You don't think it will? It might. I mean, doesn't that prevent you from? I mean, he out? said he was doing it with yeah. his bare hands, so I don't know how well you can chop off a head with bare hands. So if he follows through, which he probably will, I'm, I'm I mean, just going to give it to you. Just to death. I'm just going to give it to you just in case. I'm trying to see if I have anything else. I can give you a holy water. I can give you a couple potions of healing. Norhill's going to ask. Do you know about how your brother fights? No. Uh, not, not since he started looking like that. <laughs> He's over there bench pressing the entire like Coliseum <laughs> stair seating. Just here, Lord. Well, that. Well, your usual instinct to stay back and stay away is a good one. Lean into it. Never stop moving. Don't let him get the jump. Uh, you 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 have the you have the advantage of range. Use it. Well, you've seen what I can do at a range. It's not good. And and uh, don't attack his strength. Don't attack his health and heartiness. If you can, attack attack his mind. That may be his weak. And for what it's worth, uh, Norhill takes out uh, the Silverstein, just in case. One final drink. What's the uh, what's the boon? Strength. Strength saving throw. Yeah. Okay. It, it's only it's only ever saving. So what does it give me? Oh, Advantage. Uh, so it gives you uh, half your proficiency as a straight bonus to your strength saving throws. I, it could be skills too, but I don't think a skill is going to be very useful here. Give it to him for insight. I don't think he means it. <laughs> like I know he said he yeah, wants to yeah, kill me, yeah, but yeah. Norhill having seen. Uh, Jarzak's brother now has a suspicion that he might try to use uh, some things that Norhill knows how to do. And a lot of those are strength saves. Do you imagine? I wouldn't do that. Um, okay. Well, so just just gonna pull Jarzak down to be at eye level with her, and just. Whisper in his ear, Jarzak. Um, just tell me a signal, and then if I see you give the signal, I'll do 
everything in my power to get you out. Klikas hey, will uh, Klika? watch you. Klika, I didn't want to tell you this the other day, but if you try and get me out of there, I'm dead. Can Klika leave the ring? Maybe Klika can be king of the orcs. Maybe Klika will challenge your brother instead of you. I don't think that would accept a goblin. You're you're not gonna leave, right, Jarzak? No, I'll, well, hopefully, at the end of this, I, I do leave, or else no, I'll be right here forever. As long as you stay within Klika's eyes, that's all that matters. And then she'll give Jarzak one final hug and let him go. Do you have catnap prepared? I do, yes. (laughs) Always. You need to take Uh, a tenor? Yeah. (laughs) I might cast some spells on myself as well. Okay, like what? Will they give Uh, us ten minutes? My... uh, Oh, maybe <laughs> they might just see me passed out and think I'm fucking around with them. I cast the armor of Agathis on myself. Okay. And then, are you catnapping to get a spell back or something? Yeah. Okay. Is it just nope. buffs or is it debuffs too that they allow? I, yeah, I mean, whatever you can cast, you just can't cast the debuff before you've been to the arena. Oh, I can't cast it before? Okay. okay. Uh... <laughs> hey, hold still real quick. I got to blind you before we walk in here. Okay. And so with that, are we ready? Yeah. Okay. So with that, the uh, two of you guys enter the arena, and as you do, you feel as if the walls around this thing, because there really aren't any, it just kind of dips down a couple feet from the land around it, but it's almost as if like a wall does appear, as if like a swirling mist forms around this arena, and all you see is like a swirling sandy kind of fog swirling around. And every once in a while in there, you can see orcish spiritual like faces kind of gleaming through on this wall. And as you do, you recognize the gravity of where you are as the spirits around you are those dead from this pit that are now protecting the righteous and sort of holy dance that is fighting the king for the throne. And so as your brother steps forward, uh, This, again, any two sides of this are exactly 60 feet away from each other. So he steps forward about 10 feet from the edge, and you step forward about 10 feet from the edge to the starting place, leaving you both about 40 feet away from one another. And with that, the fight begins. So if you'd like, we can roll for initiative, and we'll see where this party goes. Good luck, by the way. I need it. Four. Fifteen. Oh, God. 
All right. And so with that, as you uh, enter the battlefield here, he walks forward with all the speed that he has and just sort of goes on a stomp and walks directly over to you and just stands directly before you. And he looks down at you and he says, I want you to hit me. He says, hurt me as best as you can so that I don't feel bad about what I'm about to do to you. And it's your turn. And he stands there fully awaiting whatever you have at your arsenal. The question is, do I just pull out Dalmoro's luck at this point? What? You hit him with one crit, a sperm whale falls from the sky and lands on him. And you're like, I only needed it to work once. <laughs> now if only we could understand why a sperm whale. You're right. We'd know a lot more about Dan's campaign, but okay. Yeah, I think I will. Okay, best of luck to you. Uh, I'm going to use my bonus action to Hexblade curse him. Okay. And that gives you the bonus to damage and the crit gives on you the or 20. range. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Line up the well. Yeah. Well, we also got that plus four from a uh, D four from Ronnie. Yep. On my attack. Yeah. Oh, uh, one second. You got a plus three. Okay, that's a, a 19. That's a crit. Domro's luck. Quick, use Eldritch's fight. So you rolled a natural 19? Yeah, uh, 29 total. Well, plus the four. So a 33. I'm checking these rolls, man. I don't believe it. I Hold got on. a 19. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> There it is. Domoro's luck to hit. 19 plus 10. Well, all right. Time to play a fun game of... Oh, boy! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. One in 10,000. Let's see what we get. 5,541. Anybody who's listening, I apologize that I have to scroll 5,541 effects down on this list, but this is the way the game is supposed to be. All right. Let's see what we've got. Okay, so you swing in on them. How much damage do you do? Uh, let me see. Because uh, I'm going to... Oh, this each Christ. I'm going to Eldritch Smite, too. Ooh, uh, does that also double on a crit? It sure yeah. does. Is there a sperm whale? This is going to be a spicy amount of D8s. Uh, what's that? I think it's 5d8 doubled to 10. Yeah, sure is. Okay, plus it's normal damage, so... Are you about to one-hit my fucking... Just just this important character in your story? You just bonk him once real good upside the head. He said he could get the hit! If, if you're going to introduce a villain, then you have to be okay with the party killing them in one go. You even separated him to himself. This isn't even like a full party move. 
67. Um, 67 uh, plus three, right? From the. No, that's only for for the attack. No, no, no. no. Plus three for my, for hexing him. So 70 damage. (laughs) That was 10 D8, 2 D6, plus 10. Yeah. So as he leans in intimidatingly, you loop your hand around <laughs> Domero's luck, and as you swing at him and smack him upside the head, crushing the side of his skull with like a brutal force, he is uh, very so uh, wounded. He is bloodied. He's not going to die anytime very soon, but you sure did level this opponent. Uh, so after you smack him in the head, however, uh, I'll tell you what. Is your turn over? No, I have another attack. It was only one. Go ahead. Crit again. Yeah, the option is I drop Domero's luck and grab my sword or just hit him again with Domero's luck. Well, think about what your character would do. The sword's been your teacher and your guide and you're just like, no, fun house. And you just smack him in the head and the whale appears <laughs> and you're like, Wee! Honor is for chumps. Uh, can I get the uh, bless? bless. It's been a little slow on my end. You get, you get one. Uh, soft 20 to hit? Yeah, that's a hit. What do we got for damage as you swing again with Domero's luck? Uh, 16 damage. Okay. And as you smack him the second time, uh, is that the end of your turn? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fun. So, uh, As he recoils back, stepping a couple steps away and grabbing at his skull, which had just been smacked, one of his two hands immediately lunges for his own throat, and he grabs onto it with his other arm. And his hand begins violently trying to strangle him to death. And he grabs onto his own (laughs) hand and tries to pull it away as it's trying to kill him. And as he seems to be preoccupied grabbing at his throat and dealing with this, he looks to you with his eyes sort of boggling out of his head and he lunges forward with one of his hands and tries to grab for your throat to strangle you now that he's in base contact. So you can do an athletics check or an acrobatics check to try to avoid this. I'm rolling a disadvantage because he only has one hand to do it. And uh, 17. Yeah. Hmm? 17. 17. That's a tie. How do you want to do this? Reroll? Wait, is this a saving, sir? No, it's Isn't a check. It meets, it, oh. meets it for the person who's saving? Yeah, that's generally... I can't remember. We always change it. Is it defense wins? Yeah, I thought the defender yeah. usually has the advantage. Or... So that, yeah. 
Yeah. So as he strangles in at you with one hand, you manage to like just barely duck it as his strangling hand on his own neck seems to be pushing him away. And he seems to be sort of roiling around with that. Um, but now uh, what he does is he stares at you with his eyes sort of turning to a jet black, kind of similar to that of a certain evil presence that you know of. And he grunts under his own strangled breath. And he says, you bastard. He says, I don't know what sort of foul magics you're using, but I will kill you. And his eyes illuminate in one quick flash. And let's see. I got a 20 versus armor class. That, that'll do. And his eyes gleam in a way that penetrates your soul. You take, oh, well, that's fun. Seven points of necrotic damage. And you are frightened. Oh, good. I run out of the arena and die? Like, <laughs> oh, You just can't move towards him. Okay. And with that, he just tries to make a run for it. Did you want to try to take an attack of opportunity as he does? Yeah. Okay. So... Go ahead and roll that. Uh, 24 to hit. You get Is that a disadvantage? Get a plus one. Uh, no, it wasn't. I'll roll again. Uh, so a 25 is going to be my low. 25 is your low? Yeah, because I got a plus one. So the 24 was lower than my second roll. Jesus Christ. Okay, so what'd you get for damage as he runs away? 11 uh, plus the 3, so uh, 14. Very well. He looks very wounded as you smack him at him again as he starts to run away his full distance, getting a gap between you of 30 feet. So now the question is, uh, actually, it's your turn. So what would you like to do? I've left you with one choice. A ranged spell attack. Your one weakness. No. <laughs> this is how I die. Throw the sword at him. Tomahawk <laughs> the sword. Was that, that a spell attack that hit me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Okay. I forgot I had counter spell, but it's too late for that. Let's uh Well, thanks for telling me you got counter spell. Now I know what I'm not doing anymore. Ah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh with that, Jarzak will drop his shield and Domro's luck and pull out his sword and yell out, Don't be a coward, fight me. And take the dodge action. Solid, solid. I, you know, that was a solid way of and handling it. I definitely yell it loud enough so uh, quite a few orcs can hear it. And with that, he begins to laugh to himself with blood trickling all over his face, down the side of his face, onto his chest. And one of his eyes appears to have popped within its socket from that crunching blow. And he looks back at you with this one good eye and takes a few laborious steps forward 
and the black chains on his two arms fall to the ground and he starts to swing both of his arms in big windmilling fashions. And then a couple of practice swings overhead, he spins in a quick circle around and both spiked chains come flying for your legs. I'm going to do this at disadvantage for both attacks because that's what you said. Uh, the first attack comes in at 13. It's a mess. What's your armor class? Uh, without the shields? Uh, I'm working on it, but it's more than that. I got a 19 on the second one. That's a hit. Okay. So with that, um, as he swings and chops India, you take 13 points of damage. And I'm going to need you to do another athletics or acrobatics check. Was that a melee attack? Mm-hmm. He takes 20 points of damage. Boy. From, from my armor. Hey. Do you know how low his fucking health is because of your stupid reactive moves and everything? <laughs> you give us prep time. <laughs> No, I did. I hate it. Did I at least get rid of that stupid magical shield? Yeah. Uh, six. You got a six? Yeah. So he grabs the chain with full of, like full might and full strength, and he pulls it out, and you land flat on your back. And as you do you start to feel a strange itchiness in the back of your neck. Something as if something in the sand is crawling around on you, like sand fleas or something. And it's only at this point in the heat of battle do you realize that the darkness that's forming around like the outer rim here is not just the sandy walls around it. and appears almost as if something darker is starting to enshroud the battlefield itself. And as your brother swings the specky chain again, you can hear the snap as the thing comes down like a whip. Um, and with a 27, he swings in again with the chain. And you take uh, 15 points of damage this time as he rakes it across your flesh. And he starts to cackle in a way that doesn't sound like him. It instead sounds a little bit like his voice overlaid by somebody else much more sinister. And laying on your back, having had the wind knocked out of you, you look up very, very cautiously and see your nightmare come to life as the dark shadowy figure standing directly behind and above your brother seems to be goading him on to continue whipping and cracking at you with the spiked chain as you lay upon the ground. It's your turn. What would you like to do? Uh, oh, sorry. Before your I... turn begins, before your turn begins, as you sort of like look up and see him and blink a couple times, a poof happens in the battlefield and your brother disappears in a smoky, fiery little schwa. Hmm. Okay. Uh, well, then I guess I don't have to worry about you know, the frightened thing because he's not here True, and that that effect ended now oh okay perfect i will uh, bonus action teleport 30 feet closer to where he was 
in a standing position and then walk another 30 to where he was. And I'll cast Armor of Agathis on myself. Very well. Okay. And as you go to cast that, what level spell is that? The fifth? Fourth? How did you teleport? I have a bonus action thing I can do through a evocation. Is that a spell? No. So which level is the counter spell? I'm not casting counter spell. Oh, wait, no. The um, What's it called? Didn't you say you're Let's casting something? What am I thinking? Yeah, Did armor. It's level four. That's what it is. Right. Sorry. I'm casting counter spell. There's my little slip because I'm tired. So anyway, what level is armor of Agathis being cast at? Fourth. Ooh, so we actually have to do the caster check, don't we? Unless, yeah, unless he's up casting Counterspell. He's not. No, I can't. But it's I also not max. It's also not him casting it, which is the scary part. So with a very high score on this one, the oh, armor of Agatha. Is... Counterspell the counterspell. Ooh, I guess you could try to. Okay. If it's third level, Clicka will just first off. If she notices someone besides his brother is casting spells. She's going to counterspell that. Okay. So does, I mean, from you guys, it, you're seeing in the, in the stands. Back? What? Did, did Jorzak's brother, whoever's casting the spell, come back? No. Yeah, yeah so that's why I'm saying here, it's guys, definitely someone else. Yeah, you have to be you able guys, to see and, hear the, see and hear the target to counterspell. Yeah, with if you... When... You see a creature within 60 feet of you t- casting a spell. So if I can see the target, I'm going to counterspell them. Okay. So you can't. Okay. But yeah, so the spell is uh, deflected. The armor of Agathis is, is pushed off. And again, the itchiness has resolved as the spell goes off and poofing back into the material plane again is your brother shrouded in shadows and uh, yeah, seems like the uh, Valaketh has kind of become one with your brother as some sort of strange looking avatar of darkness and standing 30 feet from you, sort of taking the spot where you were, he stands at the ready. And so your turn was spent moving bonus and then casting. Yep. So I'll say this much. If it is the case that Valaketh has cast this spell, you know deep in your heart of hearts as an orc this is treachery this is fully against anything that the orcs would stand for having somebody else in the battlefield joining and fighting alongside your opponent is like unless there is a summoned creature or something like that but being Valaketh, like this is so against the standard of the orcs and this is entirely against what they stand for so on its turn then sure Uh, Chikoth has broken the rules using aid from outside sources. Look at him. And this the, isn't him. And everybody else outside 
who hears you yelling this and as you point towards him, Jacquard is just Jacquard. And he is standing there after poofing out of that fiery portal. And he's standing about 30 feet away or so from Jarzak, but it's just Jacquard. So as he yells this out, people seem to be like confused in the stands and like talking to one another, like, what the hell is he talking about as they stare in on the fight, which looks pretty standard, even though it's just teleporting orcs and chains and stuff. And with that, the sinister, dark, raspy voice of a thousand cichlids speaking, uh, you hear the the sound of the voice of Alaketh sort of kind of chime into you and it says, they do not see what you see. You are touched by the shadow. And thus, I can reach you. Anyone. Your brother belongs to me now. Just as you do. And with you dead, as one of my minions, I will do very well in Gorgareth. And with that, Jacquard gets both of his chains out and swings both of them in at you. Holy shit. All right, I rolled two 26s. So you can roll the athletics check or acrobatics, if you so please. Nat 20. What'd you get? Nat 20. Sweet. So with that, as he swings in with the two chains, uh, he deals a total of 21 points of damage. I'm getting tense now because I'm like, if I knock you out, I'm like, it's kind of game over. And I'm very scared because we're getting close. So with that, he swings in with both the chains and swings and wraps them in around your arms and around your thigh. And he keeps trying to pull you to the ground. And the shadow seems to like slink and crawl over the chain and get closer and closer to you as it does. And with that, the blade at your side seems to be shaking and rattling as if begging to come out. Um, so now it goes to your turn and he's 15 feet away. I already pulled the blade out, but yeah. You did? Yeah. And you were always fighting with the luck. No, I dropped it and my shield and told him to come fight me. <laughs> Fair enough. So that it doesn't rattle. Instead, it glows okay. with the blue light. You know it too. And as it's glowing, it says, This fight is between you and your brother, and no entity will interrupt this. Tis the fight of the swordsman, the fight of the honorable. And with that, the swordsman leaps out from the blade and lunges towards Jacquard, and the black shadowy figure seems to be like shredded off of him, and those two just start going at it the same way they did outside of Corydale, out on the hillside, where Anton and you had kind of survived the shadowy blunder there. But with that, Jacquard looks to you, bleeding, dying, his skull half-crushed into his head, and he looks back at you, huffing and puffing under the uh, weight of battle, and he seems to be getting his chains ready to fight. What would you like to do? Uh, Charzak will yell over, God, we don't have to do this. I don't want it to lead to your death. And he'll walk towards him with the sword out and go swing down if he's not going to say anything. And he just yells back to you and he says, this was always about my death or your death. If you didn't leave me behind in that cave, I would have left you behind. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll attack then. Okay. We get. Can I get? You the, get three uh, points. Thank you. I'm just adjusting my uh. I see. Quick. I see Ryan smiling. I can't tell if he's watching dice rolls and being happy about it, or unrelated. <laughs> Very good. Perfect timing. Sorry, from that one time I attacked without the great weapon master, my weapons messed up. So one sec. Uh, you know, the beauty of actual okay. dice, I suppose. Well, no, I have to figure out what the bonus is either way, so... <laughs> All right, fine. Yeah. The beauty of that. Okay. All right. There we go. That's better. All right, I'm going to attack with the sword. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a miss, so I'll do it again, though. Could you imagine... <laughs> All those Can hot rolls you had before. Wait, what was the miss that you got? You got another a seven. Three. Oh. Technically uh, a ten. Yeah, technically a ten. This one is a seventeen. Okay, that's good. Okay. Let's see. 22 damage. Describe your kill. Non-lethally. <laughs> no, I'll I want you to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> like... Nope. Uh... As you look down upon your brother who seems to be barely standing at all, having been taken out by his own damn hand strangling him to death, and a few good smacks to the skull. He's barely keeping himself up, and as you slowly approach with the blade, you swing in once, and he feebly smacks it away with his chain-wrapped arm, and then what's the final swing look like? Uh, assume it's Jarzak's classic swinging for the neck. Take it off, and just immediately after, looks over at Klika, and Klika can probably definitely tell Jarzak's sad. And probably had a dream about onions again. <laughs> so with one swift swing, the head is lifted from Jakod's shoulders and his body lands to the ground with a thump. And as Jarzak looks over to Klika, you recognize the din of battle behind you between the swordsman and Valaketh has virtually dissipated. And as you look around the arena, you hear the voice of Jakod rising from his head. And as his body begins to start to climb back up to its knees without a head at all, you can hear the shadowy voice kind of coming out through Jacquard's voice as it starts to laugh at you. Everybody in the stands can see this, as this part is definitely very evident to everybody. As the corpse version of your brother stands up again and prepares to strangle you as it runs forward with both hands at the ready. 
and the swordsman comes forward. <laughs> Wait, what? I want to turn. Oh, undead. turn undead. <laughs> yeah, <that's> Ronnie. <laughs> Are you really trying to cast turn undead into this? Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, go for it, Ronnie. Because my sheet's in a weird place. Uh, it's really messed up right now. One second. <laughs> we have to pull it? open the rules for uh, the turn on dead. One second. There we go. It's a race okay. to turn on dead. Let's go, everybody. Sorry, I'm just trying to find it on my... Holy crap. It's open to the exact page. I can't the power of the DM. So as an action, is your holy symbol. Ooh, each undead that can see or hear you within 30 feet makes a wisdom saving throw. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's see what this wisdom saving throw look like. Ronnie, what does your turning look like? Uh, I think Anton will be within just, 30 like, feet. He'll... So you got to run to the edge of the battlefield. Yeah, he's going to do that, like clutching the lantern up high, just yelling, be gone. Because technically, so Anton's you... been touched by the deceiver. Does, she see... does he see the deceiver a little? It's probably why Anton was the first to like <laughs> reflexively jump up and hearing the voice is just like because the voice became like incarnate and became like right. So as you yeah. leap up, jumping over orcs in front of you and escaping the grasp of the guards, you rush up to the side and what did you say? Be gone. Yeah, just like a simple be gone. Why can't I get stuck? Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, I rolled a two. A solid two. No oh, fudging, yeah. no nothing. Ooh. And with that, as Anton rushes forward, haggard and just the spooky corpse turns around and runs full speed into the opposite direction, rushes into the sandy wall at the outskirt of the arena, and the spirits of dozens of orcs fallen in combat with the fallen kings of old rush to tear apart limb from limb the remains of Jakar the Revenant, tortured by Valaketh the Deceiver. And as his body is dropped to the floor like a heap of rotten meat, Jarzak stands alone. And all of the orcs stand up and let out hooting cries of valorous glory as they beckon their new king. And that is where we're going to end it. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter. Or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Oh, no, 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 no.